You're listening to Maritime Gardening, episode 54. Man, what a crazy Christmas season this was here in Nova Scotia, Canada. Uh, There was an incredible storm that uh, the winds were incredible, and a lot of people, including me, lost power on Christmas Day. Um, for those that don't, um, you know, then we have an international audience. There's people are all around the world that uh, listen to this show, and not everyone does all the things that people in Canada and the United States do for Christmas, uh, or they celebrate it in different ways. Um, anyway, a big part of the ritual here is making an incredibly huge meal. <laughs> so uh, we had all of this stuff ready to go. Uh, luckily, the, the, the turkey was done. Uh, for some reason, we killed turkey and roast it on Christmas Day here. Uh, most people in Canada, but not everyone. Uh, so uh, the turkey was done, but then around 4 o'clock p.m., uh, and, and here in my family, we, we have Christmas dinner regular we we eat supper (laughs) my wife and I are both in our mid-40s but we we really have a very kind of uh, stereotypical like senior citizens we we eat supper at the same time every day we always eat supper sometime between 5 30 and 6 o'clock p.m. and so everything's always organized orchestrated Uh, the logistics are always working to uh, to hit that date Uh, so whether it's Thanksgiving or Christmas or some other uh, monumental meal the goal is to sit down at the table and eat around somewhere between 530 and 6 o'clock so in my mind uh, all of the root vegetables and all that other stuff had to go into the oven around 4 o'clock which is exactly give or take a few minutes when we lost electricity here in Nova Scotia. And we lost it for hours and hours and hours and hours. Uh, we got ours back uh, late in the evening. Other people got it back the next day or even later than that. I think something over 100,000 people lost power on Christmas Day. <laughs> so it was a fantastic, it was a Christmas miracle. <laughs> we lost power. So for us, uh, really, you know, I, I enjoy... The challenge of uh, events like that, and I enjoy exploring. Uh, for those that have been listening to the show for a long time, if you haven't gleaned or if you haven't noticed, I I tend to lean towards an attitude towards self-sufficiency. So I have a wood stove in my house. I have uh, a little propane camping stove. I have. A plan B and a plan C and a plan D. Uh, we're always ready for just about anything. We've got headlamps. We've got rice and flour and oatmeal. <laughs> we, we haven't got a, you know, a bomb-proof shelter with 500 pounds of peanut butter or anything like that. We're not, not on that uh, uh, scale of spectrum, but we're definitely uh, uh, well-equipped to handle... Uh, typical sort of shortages that can happen, especially in a, a semi-rural type setting where we live, where you can get cut off for a number of days just because uh, we're outside of the core of the, the city and it's not a very uh, wealthy part of the country and so on. So where, where we live tends to be not top priority for solutions. Uh, uh, so it can happen here where I live that you can get a really bad storm, especially if there's a lot of snow. 
and just be cut off from anything, even ambulances, for a day or two. It's, if it's possible. It's, it's very unlikely and extraordinarily rare. Something like that might happen every once every five or ten years. Okay, so I don't want to give a false impression here. I'm not. I don't live uh, in the most remote area in the world. It's not like you got a chopper in. <laughs> <laughs> to here you you can drive here i i, I work downtown in, in the city, center of the city and it's about a 40 minute drive so i'm not in the middle of nowhere um, but anyway uh, i digress so we lost our power and uh, what a great backup to have a wood stove uh, we heat our house with wood in the winter and as a result of that the cost of heating our house, and I talk about costs a lot on the show because I don't find a lot of people, uh, the kind of people I listen to really don't talk about that sort of thing. Uh, costs matter. Costs matter, man. Money is not infinite. Uh, m most of us uh, only have so much time and we only make so much money and anything you can do to save money is, is worth your time. And I find uh, keeping a wood stove uh, in the winter is a great way to, to save money to use the resources around you to heat your house. Um, you get uh, exercise by feeding the wood stove. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, by the time April rolls around, I'm pretty sick and tired of uh, lugging wood into my house. But uh, And another side benefit is, is you get the uh, all that ash that you can add to your garden and, and your lawn as well. If you weren't watching, I did a YouTube video on that, just how I go about distributing that throughout my garden. So, power went out, but we had the wood stove going anyway because we used the wood stove all. You know, there was a weird thing. A, a number of years ago, uh, here in Nova Scotia, it was, I think, 2004. Uh, the winter of 2004, we had incredible. Uh, the fall of 2003, we had a hurricane, Hurricane Juan. And then in the winter of 2004, we had a huge snowstorm. We got a meter of snow in like one night. And we called that. Uh, that storm white one even though it had nothing to do with hurricane one it was just like it was like a snow hurricane which can happen here because we're, we're a peninsula jutting out into the Atlantic Ocean and then to top it all off to the coup de gras for that year was in the fall of 2004 around November ish we got a snow ice rain storm which is the the trifecta of storms in this part of the world you get Around, it doesn't sound very cold. You'll get temperatures around minus one, minus two-ish. And those temperatures are just right in a coastal region like this to have snow and rain and ice all at the same time or, or in varying degrees over a short amount of time. And what that does is it, it glues on to, like crazy glue to all of the power lines and everything. And for some reason in this part of the world, our power lines are made of wood. I couldn't think of a worse material to make power lines out of because... It rots, especially when it's always wet and always moist. <laughs> if you take a walk through the woods here in Nova Scotia, uh, there's moss and things just grow on rocks here because it's always wet here. There's just constant uh, moisture. There's only really uh, a handful of weeks, maybe a three or four week period in the summer when it can get kind of dry some some years, but it, it's a pretty, pretty damp place. Uh, I couldn't think of a more ridiculous strategy given that sort of situation than using wooden poles for power. But that's what we do, and that's what we've always done. So um, all that stuff just blows down. 
and you get all this wind and all this ice and all this rain and all those power lines get super heavy and they capture the wind and they blow down and power goes out. So 2004, all kinds of people lost their power. I was living in uh, an area, part of the province called the Valley, which is where, where I lived was the Wolf, Wolfville, but that there's, the Valley is a huge area. And we lost our power for three days and it was below zero. Uh, thank God it wasn't like really, really cold, minus 15 or minus 20 Celsius like it's been the last couple of days. It's been quite cold here. Um, so by the end of those three days, our house at the time was a bungalow, was down to 8 degrees Celsius. So it was 8, eight degrees above freezing, and the whole house had water pipes and hot water heating and so on. So 8 more degrees, and then those pipes would have started to burst and would have cost us a fortune. Uh, and we didn't have any plan B for that. The whole house ran on electricity. It was a, it was electric heat, and no, sorry, it wasn't electric heat. Our house was hot water heated, and the hot water was heated by oil. But the oil furnace ran on electricity. <laughs> it needed electricity to work. Uh, so it really woke us up, my wife and I. And the very next year, before the fall came around, we put a wood stove in. A lot of people bought uh, electric heaters. And we decided to go back in time. We decided to go another direction. For me, the the idea of uh, an electric uh, generator. A lot of people bought power generators. I think I just said electric heaters. I meant electric power generators. Uh, to me, that wasn't the right solution because you got to keep a store of gasoline around. You got to keep cycling the gasoline in and out because the gasoline doesn't keep a very long time. Always works. I like that show, uh, The Walking Dead, but the gas doesn't keep. <laughs> you know, it's episode season nine and they're still driving cars around using gasoline. It's ridiculous. Uh, gas doesn't keep like that. doesn't work that way. Uh, it degrades very quickly and uh, after a year or so, the kind of gasoline that would be available in a gas tank would, would clog up a carburetor and wreck a car. But anyway, I digress. Um, to us, it seemed like a much more robust solution to just put a good wood stove in your house. That way, if you've got a, a few cords of wood out behind the house, uh, you can always heat your house. And if that runs out, you can burn the trees, burn the furniture, burn your books, burn <laughs> burn the fence, burn the neighbor's fence. So you got like you got a plan B, a plan C, a plan D. And on top of that, while you're using that wood stove to heat your house, you can cook on top of it, which is exactly what we did on Christmas Day, a couple day, uh, a couple a week or so ago. Uh, we just moved the whole operation down into the basement and had all these fry pans and stuff on top of the wood stove, and uh, we we didn't cook all the things we were planning to cook because stuffing really wouldn't work like that. But uh, we 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 did the rest of the meal on the wood stove. And another advantage of a wood stove, I didn't want this whole episode to be about wood stoves, but I just since I'm on the topic, unlike an electric generator, you can run their wood stove all year, right? The electric energy, electric generator is just sitting there waiting for a catastrophe. So it's really not pulling its weight, right? You spend all this money on it, you spend a thousand bucks on the generator, and you got some gas sitting there that's not doing anything. And it's just waiting to be used and not doing anything. Whereas with the wood stove, you can use it all winter long. Uh, you can use it full time like I do and really cut your costs. We heat our house for $700 a year. Or you can just use it on the weekends or whatever and supplement your heating. Read, you know, 
reduce your heating costs, which is, again, worthwhile. And if you've got a property like mine where you've got trees and stuff in your backyard, I mean, I would say in the month of October, November, uh, in those months, I heat my house using just trees that fell down in my backyard and, or trees that fell down in my neighbor's yards. I don't even use the hardwood. Now, I don't do anything fancy. I mean, I, uh, once every two years, I buy six cords of cut split hardwood and I stack it. But I supplement that in, in the early months of the fall and maybe in uh, April and May when it really doesn't matter. You don't need a lot of heat, but you need a little bit. I'll use the all, all the trees in my property here are spruce for the most part. So they don't pr provide very good heat, but they do provide some heat. So in fall and the spring, if I need a little bit of heat, I just basically burning my backyard, just things that fell down. Free heat. Right? I'll go outside with a chainsaw cut it up and cut it with an axe. That's just exercise from my point of view and uh, get some free heat out of that deal. So it works really well for me. Anyway, that's the kind of Christmas we had here. And uh, I just thought I'd talk about that for a little bit to give people an idea of uh, just one more way to simplify your life, lower your costs, and add an element to your uh, home life that uh, is beneficial in a number of ways, right? The wood stove can save you money. Uh, I would say a wood stove is going to, at the very least, will give you a two-year return on investment. That is to say, within two years, the amount of money you save it from using it will be equal to what, equal to what you spent on it. That's a good investment, two-year return on investment. Uh, not only that, but you can cook on it, you can simmer food on it. If you're making beans or a stew or a soup or something like that that needs to be simmered for a long time, you can just put the pot on the wood stove uh, once you understand the, the hot, cold spots in your wood stove. And while you're heating your house, you can be using the same thing that heats your house to cook your food and save on electricity by not using your electric range or your propane range or your natural gas range or whatever you're using. Why spend money on that when you've already got something going down there? And when it's all done, burning the wood and all that stuff, you, you get the ash and the charcoal, biochar. But you've got all that stuff that you can use in your garden or on your grass or whatever. Uh, so it really does have a whole effect on your, your way of living and your way of life. Not only that, but if you ever I'm drinking some tea here, um, <laughs> one thing you can do with a wood stove if you set it up properly, and I've done this, is you can cook a beautiful steak inside the wood stove. Uh, if you get a really good fire going and you let it burn down, a hardwood fire, and you push the ashes to the to the sides so that the center of the wood stove is opened up. Put a little grate down and put a piece of meat in the center of the wood stove, in the center of all of that heat. And uh, if you want to make it really nice, you put a couple green maple sticks on the, on the coals on either side to create this nice maple smoke. Um, there's a bit of a learning curve in figuring how to do it, but man, you can make an incredible roasted piece of meat right in your wood stove. Um, anyway, just an idea, a little project. If you have a wood stove and you haven't tried cooking meat in your wood stove... <laughs> 
<laughs> it's really worth uh, the effort. Uh, my wife was really annoyed when I did this because you're, you're moving the kitchen operation into the, the hearth and all that sort of stuff. It's a bit strange, uh, a bit of a foreign thing to do, but uh, totally worth it. You get a fantastic sear, and uh, if you're any kind of a steak aficionado, it's, man, I mean, it's like you're cooking it over a fire, but you're cooking over an ideal fire <laughs> where, you, where you've got all this control over the situation and all this beautiful surrounding heat uh, anyway just something to think about uh, if you do have a wood stove something worth trying roasting meat inside your wood stove uh, give it a try I should do a YouTube video on that I think that's that's worthy of a YouTube video um, anyway that's the first topic of discussion I wanted to just do a few loose ends and some uh, odds and sods uh, today just talking about some different things that were on my mind because this, this is the last uh, episode for 2017, even though it's now 2018, I was supposed to do an episode a week ago and air it on Saturday, just before the end of the year, but I had some technical difficulties. I, I've been noticing the last few podcasts I've done that the sound quality is horrible. Uh, since, uh, since I lost Dave, I've been using my own gear here and it's terrible. <laughs> so I bought some new gear, but I... I could not get it to work, and I, I did record an episode last week, but it was horrendous, and uh, the sound quality was terrible, and uh, I just deleted it <laughs> and decided to, not only that, but the topic, I was on a strange tangent, and I just decided to uh, just trash it and do this one instead, so apologies for that, uh, but anyway, this is going to be the last episode for this year, and uh, I'm going to take a little hiatus for the month of January. And I'll pick up in, in February uh, 2018, uh, at some point in February, mid-February, late February, around, around the time you're buying seeds, uh, around the time that gardeners start to get excited about gardening again. And uh, certainly that's when I start really voraciously uh, binge-watching uh, YouTube channels on gardening, and I start reading about gardening, and that's really when I get into it. The month of February is when I do the most reading, watching, and, and thinking. Once April rolls around, I'm really not doing any reading or thinking anymore. I'm just doing it. Um, so I want to thank everyone for such a great year with this podcast. The numbers, uh, the number of listeners, the number of downloads, the number of people engaging, uh, commenting. It's really taken off this year. It's really grown. And uh, not just the podcast, but also the YouTube channel as well. I mean, around this time last year, I had maybe 50 subscribers, and now I've got 2,000-something. I don't know what it is at last count, but it's uh, it's really, uh, really taken off. So uh, I'm really pleased with that, and I'm really grateful to uh, to the listeners for that. What is it? I'm just looking at it right now. 2,300 subscribers uh, from 50 around this time last year. So that's not... This isn't I'm not having gone viral. This isn't Gangnam style, <laughs> but you don't expect that with a gardening channel. But nonetheless, uh, I'm very pleased with how how it's all worked out, and it, it really uh, keeps me going and keeps me motivated. Uh, I'm so glad that the um, the delivery and the style and the, the approach I'm presenting uh, resonates with the listeners and the viewers. I don't make any money at this at this point in time anyway. 
Um, I'm, I'm out there shopping around for sponsors and stuff like that, and that's something we can talk about next year. Um, I'm using a unique approach to that where I, I've had offers, but I really don't, I have no interest in just being a salesman. Um, I've approached companies that sell stuff that I use, and I've said, hey, I use your stuff. How about you give me some money and I'll put your logo up on my website and that sort of thing. So this is sort of a very backwards approach um, to getting a sponsor. I really only want sponsors that are going to allow me to just be me and talk about what I'm talking about and bring the information to the listeners uh, that I think they're going to find interesting. I have no interest in being uh, someone who just says what the sponsor wants me to say. I have no interest in that whatsoever. And I don't make enough money at this for that to be <laughs> worth my while. Um, and I'm just uh, happy to be someone who you know helps people get the gardens they want, helps people learn and pursue the interests they have, develop in the directions they want to develop. The whole purpose of this podcast and the YouTube channel, um, when I think back over it, you know, I've got about a 2,500 square foot garden in my backyard. Every year I try to see how much of my family's food can be grown in that garden. And I try to increase that a little bit. How much food can I grow back there? How much can I produce? How much? How can I best make use of that space? And as a result, I have a keen interest in how to uh, get the best yield using the least amount of inputs at the lowest cost and using the least amount of work. Right? That's what the thrust of this show is about. I use um, permaculture principles in my garden because based on everything I've read, that is the best way to go about achieving those goals. But that being said, I, I have absolutely no formal training in permaculture or agriculture or horticulture. I'm not a permaculturist. I'm not an agriculturalist. I'm not a horticulturist. I haven't gone to anybody's schools. I haven't seen, attended anybody's workshops or sessions or anything like that. And you know what? I don't think you need to. Uh, you know, if you want to do that and you've got the money and the time and so on, you go for it. It's probably a quicker way to go about doing it. I mean, I've done everything through trial and error. But the beauty of gardening is it's pure freedom. It's your land. You can do whatever you want. You can try whatever you want. You can chase down some crazy idea of gut, and you can completely fail in a given year. And then you can just pick yourself up the next year and try something else. That's the beauty of it, right? It's it's your time, it's your space, it's your land, uh, and you can just learn and grow uh, and inform yourself as you go. And that's what I've been doing. And uh, over time, I've gotten better and better results. And as I've been very candid about on this podcast, I've had complete failures in many different areas. But that's all part of the learning process. You live a long time, you, you learn from your mistakes, and you, you grow from all of that. But many of us, we just, we're at a stage in our life where you know, you've got a full-time job and so on. You can't just drop everything and go take courses like that. And you've got other demands, other obligations on your weekends, on your evenings, where you can't do that. But you do want to have a garden. And, you know, I would just say, you know, there is a lot you can learn from just reviewing online resources, not just watching YouTube channels, but reading. 
reading good resources online and educating yourself about permaculture, uh, about agriculture, and about horticulture using multiple sources. I tend to gravitate towards uh, peer-reviewed academic research. Um, I, I tend to stay away from uh, content outside of that, but not completely. Uh, if someone's saying something that someone has an idea that resonates with me, that seems like a good idea, uh, I'll listen to them and give it a try. Why not? Um, so my content is is related to how about going doing uh, going going about doing all of that, and is directed towards like-minded individuals. And the continued interest of listeners really keeps me motivated to dream up new content. So I just want to thank everybody for all of that. Um, now, next topic of business. It's the end of the year, and I've done episodes on this before, but I just want to remind people: plan next gardens, next year's garden now. Don't put it off. Start thinking about it now. Take a picture of your garden area if you haven't done it already. Make some notes of all your successes and failures. Jot down, just very quickly jot down with a pencil or whatever, some notes of all the successes and failures you had and where you think things should be planned next year, uh, what you think would be a better idea than something you did this year. Try to get that all written down and written out before you forget it because you know if you take a break uh, I usually you know around the month of January I forget about gardening completely I really don't think about it that much I could do other things I like to go out hiking in the woods I like being out in the snow and I uh, do a lot of uh, the honey-do list things that my wife wants me to do around the house I try to get all that stuff done and I just take a mental break from gardening for the month of January uh, so before that happens I write everything down and then in February, March, I think it over and uh, come up with some sort of plan of what I want to do and where I want everything to go. And I do all of that before I order my seeds, before I start buying seeds, before I plan, uh, start really investing my time and money into what I'm going to plant. And I would recommend you do the same thing because you're going to waste a lot less time doing that. Uh, people go into this almost like a frenzy. In February, March, they buy way more stuff than they can possibly plant. Way more stuff than you're possibly going to eat. If you're growing food in your garden, if you're a food gardener, <laughs> in the last episode we talked about being a food gardener, you should grow things that you and your, if you've got a family and your family are going to eat. Don't grow things no one's going to eat. Well, that's a waste of time. <laughs> if, if nobody likes it, don't just grow something because someone told you to. Um, grow something that you're going to eat. And every year I'll try some new thing, but if, if no one in my family really likes it, um, what's the point of putting a lot of energy in that? I grew an entire bed of kohlrabi this year. 4 by 10 bed. And... Uh, <laughs> no one likes it. Uh, if I put it in a soup, people will eat it. But I got a lot of kohlrabi. I got a whole bunch right now. And the only thing I can use it in is soup because it's it's just not. <laughs> I'm sure people are going to be uh, people that like kohlrabi might be a bit annoyed. But what <laughs> in my house? No one in my house really likes it. And uh, man, you can only eat so much soup. That's a lot of soup. I got to make a lot of soup to use up that kohlrabi. I tried roasting and I tried some different things. I pickled some. 
it's okay, but I'm the only one that likes pickles in general. And uh, certainly I'm the only one in my house that wants to eat kohlrabi pickles. So there's only so many kohlrabi pickles <laughs> you can eat. <laughs> I think I've done all I can do with the kohlrabi. Um, so yeah, think about all that sort of stuff before you order your seeds. Don't go on a spending spree. Buy what you're going to plant and plant what you're going to eat. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, so, um, I think that's about all I had to say today. I think that just about wraps up the the, the season. Uh, I want to thank everyone for tuning in, and uh, um, I'm so grateful for the continued interest and listenership on this podcast. This is where it all started, and we're going to keep it doing. I'm going to do a whole another season next year for sure. Um, I'm going to take a break for January, resume sometime in February. Uh, I'll continue making YouTube videos over January. I've got some ideas uh, for things to do in the woods and uh, gardening-related activities that are associated with just being outdoors in the winter and enjoying being outdoors in the winter. I think people tend to get a little too cooped up. You know, we tend to go into hiding or hibernation mode in the winter and I don't think that's very healthy I think you should be out there and if you've got the health if you've got the vitality or whatever you know if you're I think it's just so good to be outside and uh, getting some fresh air and finding things to do and I actually have a YouTube video that I just made I'm gonna put up in a couple of days uh, about that sort of thing uh, and I, I'm going to do a number of videos like that this winter where I sh I'll be out, show me out in the woods in the snow, uh, in the Canadian wilderness, uh, <laughs> uh, engaging with the forest and uh, exploring the different resources that are available and as they relate to uh, gardening related activities. So uh, stay tuned and, and, and uh, see if you like that. Let me know what you think. But uh, I think that just about wraps it up. So I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Thank you for listening. And uh, until next time, get out there, get at it, and have fun in your garden. Thanks for listening.